Welcome to Chit Chat and Chai with your hosts, R.C. Mala and Ritu. Hello, friends. Today, we're going to be discussing the rights of women, or should I say more appropriately, the lack of rights for women. It is so sad that this discussion should seem redundant in this era, but unfortunately, we are at a place where women's rights are being abused. This, of course, is in reference to the latest reversal on the women's right to undergo an abortion. The attack on the right for a woman to choose what she may or she may not do with her body is just an example of many years of fighting for the equal status in the workplace, fighting against sexual harassment, fighting for the basic right for girls to get an education, as in the case in many third world countries. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. What happened two weeks ago in this country literally took us back many years. The ramifications are plenty. Well, where do we go from here? To help us answer and talk about these critical issues, we have with us today Hena Pitya, a lawyer specializing in humanitarian immigration law. Welcome, Hena, to the podcast. How are you? I am doing all right. How are all of you? Hi, Hena. Hi. Doing well, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. My name is Hannah. I am an attorney and I've been practicing law for almost seven years now. Um, I've focused primarily on U.S. immigration, but I've done a lot of work in particular in the humanitarian immigration space. So asylum, anti-trafficking work, working with refugees, and continue to, to do a lot of work there now. Very passionate about human rights work. Just grateful to be here and talk more about that uh, in this space today. Um, obviously, it's really sad. Um, the situation that we're in today as women and as a nation, we're supposed to be a leader you know, for human rights and advocacy um, protection. What are your thoughts? It's been a really tough past couple of weeks, and I continue to process everything with Roe v. Wade being overturned and, you know, other decisions that have come down as well recently. And it's just a difficult time. We've experienced so much change in the past 10 or 15 years with rights for so many people, including so many marginalized groups advancing, that to see something so significant like Roe v. Wade being overturned, it's for me personally, as a, as a woman of color, is it's shocking to my system. You know, speaking to my partner about this and we talked about what's happened in past decades. This was something that is really hitting home for me. And so it's been it's been hard digesting it and also thinking through what it means for others in other states, unlike California, that are going to have even less access to abortion rights. Um, so, Hannah, in simple terms, can you explain the reversal of Roe versus Wade, what it means for a woman in a state that will ban abortion completely? Roe v. Wade basically made abortion a constitutional right. There were specifics about that, like at what time you could get an abortion, but very generally, there was a right to an abortion protected by the Constitution. Now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, it's not that abortions are illegal across the entire country. It's just that the decision has basically been given to each state to decide whether an abortion will be legal or not. And so in states like California, abortion is legal, um, but in other states, you know, I think specifically more in the Midwest area, the legislation can vary from abortion being outright illegal to certain restrictions on what an abortion can and cannot look like. 
So in some cases, it could even be banned for, let's say, rape, will not have the right to get an abortion. Is that correct, then? There is at least one state where there's no exception for rape. And whether that's still in the legislative process or it's being enacted, I'm not sure at this point. But the last time I checked that, that was a possibility. And so then some of those women either have the option of traveling really far to get a legal abortion or do a backstreet abortion. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's really been sad about the decision Roe v. Wade being overturned is that I think we all know that this is going to disproportionately impact women who are not as privileged, right, economically and also act women of color. It's just sad, right? You know, I sometimes think like it's 2022. I just, I would love to see us all move forward more quickly than going backwards if all this, all these laws go into place, then obviously the contraception will be harder to get, um, which also touches then on even the lower um, income bracket. I was reading a, a New York Times article, I think yesterday morning, and there was a mother, she had started collecting Plan B for her kids in anticipation of the fact that that might be banned at a later time. For some listeners who may not know what Plan B is, that would be the morning after pill, correct? Exactly. That brought up another point. So like we're just talking specifically about Roe versus versus Wade. But what about other equal rights? Many of the major news outlets uh, reported shortly after Roe v. Wade was overturned is that there is reference in one of the concurring opinions to other rights, right? Same-sex marriage. I think for so long, since 1973, I believe we all understood the right to abortion to be protected. And historically, the United States has not reversed decisions to limit rights. It has reversed decisions historically to advance individual rights. It's really, it's understandable why individuals would feel that, you know, is this a slippery slope? What else will this turn into, right? And we've all seen instances of hate crimes in the recent past, whether it's related to people's ethnicity, race, sexual orientation, immigration status. And so I feel like there is this this feeling now that what else is what else is going to come? What else is happening? Right. And it's it's not unreasonable to think that, at least in my personal opinion. Um, So as a society, what can we do to help? Are there groups that we can donate to, volunteer, advocate for? A lot of the resources I've been reading have said, you know, you can you can donate to Planned Parenthood, you can become a volunteer, which are all great options. Um, and there's other resources that are saying vote, which I think is extremely important, making informed decisions about who you want to represent you. Because I think politics and voting matters, right? Because it's at the end of the day, these are people that are making decisions that impact our lives. And wherever you fall on the spectrum, you, it's important to have people, at least in my opinion, that represent what you want out of society and what you want it to look like. So I think voting is extremely important in making those informed decisions. I think there is a need for us all to just be more informed, more just clear about, you know, what is all of this that's going into this discussion that is saying that abortion is no longer a fundamental right? What does that mean for for other rights that we may have? Like, those conversations in our mind should then inform how we're voting, what we're doing. So, you know, I just want to say, and I don't know if it's just me, but you get those voting ballots and the books and the explanations. I am so, I try to read, I try to do my due diligence, 
sometimes I'm so confused. I'm like, oh, this point looks good, but oh, this looks good too. I think we really should have a session right before voting on explaining because sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know who to vote for. Um, yeah. Then I just honestly look at R&D and then just go by that, you know, but um, yeah. those things don't help a lot. Sometimes it's, they're not worded right. We need someone like you to explain to us exactly ABC and then we can make a educated decision. I have had roundtables with friends that I trust to help us all unpack what this is. Because even as an attorney, there are some things that I read where I say, I have no idea what this is saying and I have to do research, but it pays off in the long run, right? Because then if you vote, understanding who you're voting for and what they will implement, that's two to four years of, you know, someone being in that position that, you know, will, will advocate for your rights. I think that's a great idea. That is good. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, if we all get together with our same like-minded people, which is fine and we get more encouragement for our thoughts, but we also got to hear the other side and have tough, however tough that may be. We can have those discussions. We can clarify a lot of issues that we don't understand. And the one thing that got me about Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court, they all said they would not overturn Roe versus Wade. It's almost like a slap in the face to all those people that voted. But at the same time, maybe they didn't expect that this would come down because clearly in their interviews, they said they would not do this. So my sister-in-law, you know, works in, worked in corporate company. And, you know, a lot of the time she was qualified to travel internationally and for work and everything, but she wasn't given the chance uh, because, oh, she needs to stay home. You know, she has a family, she has kids. And so she was deprived of those situations, even though she was qualified to go there because it was just understood that she needs to stay home and take care of the family. For example, current day, there's there's a large discussion about maternity leave, right, and child care and how that affects disproportionately women in the workplace, access to the workplace, access to promotions and just moving forward in their career. You know, people in my own life start having children and have to figure out daycare. And I wonder, you know, people who don't have, for example, grandparents who maybe aren't working and can help with child care, if you want to have a child you know, you should be able to have a child. Doesn't really seem like our workplaces are set up to support mothers and fathers for that matter. It needs to be something that is rectified moving forward because it does implicate rights. COVID really brought a lot of attention to this when, you know, parents had to stay home, moms had to juggle work at home with the children and education. You know, you were talking about maternity leave, Hannah. Um, My niece just delivered her baby and she's getting what? 14 weeks off and my nephew only got three days. Some countries have so much better, you know, leave than we have over here. Well, I remember from when I had my daughters, I could take two weeks vacation plus another four given by maternity. So six altogether. It was hard. I had to make a really heartbreaking choice of leaving, you know, a six-week-year-old. I'll go one step further. Same thing, Ritu. I had six weeks off. My mother-in-law stayed with me for three months. She takes my first son back to India. Oh, wow. Their child was a year old because the choice was either daycare with strangers or mother-in-law back in India. Wow. And um, I sent him to India till he was a year. It was the worst. I can't imagine, Mala, how you did that. Uh, If you said the name Anand, I would start bawling. You couldn't mention his name to me. Like nobody was allowed to ask, how's Anand doing? It was horrible. 
but that was reality. Like it, I needed to work. I didn't yeah. have a choice. And you know, the other thing I've noticed, I didn't have exposure to little kids prior to probably a year ago when my sister had her baby. Those kids are up at all hours of the night sometimes, you know, for at least six months of their life. And so how do mothers and fathers function when they're not even getting sufficient sleep? So, um, you know, we're talking women's rights. Um, we're not just talking U.S., but across the world, specifically India, there's the law against knowing the gender of a child before they're born. It is a law. I actually didn't know that was a law until recently when we had asked about the gender and you know this family member lives in India and they said we don't know because we're not allowed to know until birth. I remember feeling completely shocked. I, you know, I was reminded of a lot of the importance that families, or as a woman, as a female, you're somehow less than than your your male counterparts. And I just always wonder in 2022, how do we get past this? How do we shift the culture? moving forward. The one thing I always think about immediately is Bollywood. It has such a large pull. Um, it's very powerful. So Hannah, actually a movie just came out about this. Uh, oh, Ranveer really? Singh is in that movie. This movie that talks about how he knew that his wife is having another girl and he is um, going against his family and going to have the baby. I'll have to watch that. Bollywood, I think, just reaches out to so many people so many people. It's a good platform for people to put social issues up and let them know this this needs to change, this needs to stop. And I remember watching Amir Khan's show. He did a whole episode on same topic. And some of his stories were about how the mother-in-law or the family tried to, once they found out it was a girl, how they tried to either kill the girl being born or killed a mother that was carrying the child. I mean, it's so awful. It's so awful. And why put that label on a woman or a girl to be born that she's going to be a burden? We don't, we don't want her. We want more sons. Well, another topic that Bollywood is bringing out into the open and again, deals with women is periods. Yes. This is such an interesting topic. I remember being humiliated at the age of 13 when I first got my period. And it's it's such a taboo I found in, in our micro Indian community where, you know, at the age of 13, I remember getting a piece of cake because I was now dubbed a woman, but having no idea what was going on with my body, being humiliated that I had to like do this public, you know, announcement. And then after that, not being able to mention it at all, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're banned from certain spaces. Don't talk about it. It's like this like dirty thing. And mm-hmm. you're, you're completely right. I'm so happy that Bollywood is bringing um, more light to this thing that literally almost half of the population experiences on a monthly basis. Also, like yeah. the subject, uh, did you guys know if you wear a tampax, you lose your virginity, a tampon? <laughs> I no. was told that. I yes, was I was that. not allowed to. I mean, but back in the day, we had those plastic tampons. You probably would lose your virginity on that. But yeah, <laughs> I was not allowed to wear a tampon because yeah. of that. And there's, there's a lot of taboo around things like birth control as well, you know? And I think, I think all of this taboo, this, this, you know, 
don't talk about periods, don't talk about birth control, don't use tampons. It all leads to this misinformation for young girls, women, those who identify as women, right? Where it's almost like we're shielded from this information, but then we're not allowed to make informed decisions when we're actually out there in the real world, right? And so I think it's, I'm so glad to see things shifting over time. And I so look forward to these conversations being more transparent and open, right? Youngsters are only going to learn from people who have already experienced it. And that knowledge is so important to help, you know, us make informed decisions. So yeah, that's, that's also something I feel very passionately about. We have the biggest power right now before we lose it. It's the power to vote, educate ourselves and vote. Right. And support the girl child. And then of course, education girls need to be empowered with education across the world so many countries third world countries still not recognizing that girls need to get a full education up through high school and then on to college i can relate a small personal story my mom used to um, adopted a child in india and paid for her education The idea was to pay for her education all the way through to her undergraduate degree when she got a degree and then she could stand on her own two feet. By the time she was 15, the family that she came from um, insisted she was staying in a hostel, that she come back home and start taking care of her younger brothers and sisters. And she came from a small, poor family and was forced to go back at the age of 15. And she never finished her education. My mom tried to contact them and say, look, she needs to finish her education, you know, let her stand on her own feet. Then she will be even more supportive for the rest of the family. But they didn't allow it. But in whatever arena we can help, education for girls is the most important thing I think we can do. And I also feel awareness of all these topics that we're talking about. Right. It creates conversation. Thank you, Hannah, for being with us today. Really appreciate your time to talk with us and give us your thoughts and opinions. Um, We hope to have you on again on the future. Thank you all so much. I'm so grateful to be here and and talk about these important issues. It's our pleasure. Thank you. So I think we should end on a positive note um, that there are many, many men and families who do support women's rights and our wonderful husbands and fathers and uncles, etc. So we do acknowledge their support and it's crucial that you know they help make changes in society. And we thank all of those men who stand by us women during this journey. Absolutely. And I think we should give them a round of applause for, for supporting women because that's so true. Each time a woman stands up for herself without knowing it possibly, without claiming it, She stands up for all women. Till we meet again, remember life is not short. Life is unpredictable. So always, always strive to stay happy. And add a little spice to your life. And join us again for a little chit chat and chat.